Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Dr. Psych Mom Show. Today, we are going to be talking about ways that you can understand your husband better. Um, I have talked a lot, a lot about how to understand your wife better. That's like a large portion of this podcast and a lot of things that guys write in thanking me about, you know, helping them understand that their wife, for example, has lower libido in monogamy or how hormones impact her or why she wants them to do the damn home projects all the time, how much she thinks about the kids. I mean, it goes on and on, right? So, so many of the titles are why your wife, blah, 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 right? So today I'll just give you the converse, kind of just some touch points for how to better understand your husband, a lens through which you can view your husband that will make more sense. Um, And before we do that, please do subscribe. My most recent subscriber episode after the hand jobs one was one on when working partners grow apart from stay-at-home partners, something that I see a lot in my practice. Okay, so, um, so moving on. The way to best understand your husband is like, okay, so men are way, way more physical. Everything is mediated by testosterone. If you're a woman who's ever tried testosterone, uh, if you see a functional medicine doctor, a lot of times they try to give you testosterone, not just for sex drive, but for depression. So I have tried it myself. Um, Yeah, of course, it, it impacts sex drive. So I mean, if you're somebody who's doctor will prescribe that. It definitely makes you feel like you want to have more sex. But, um, you know, there's also downsides because, because, you know, it makes you like a teenage boy. So a lot of women feel a lot more irritable, a lot more easily angered, have to sleep more, eat more. You know, there's like weight gain and bloat. You could break out. But listen, it's a cost-benefit analysis. I'm not an MD, but when people prescribe hormones for both men and women, obviously testosterone is important, not just for men. As you know from listening to me, testosterone peaks in both genders at 6 a.m. Testosterone is a big driver of sex drive. So when you have none, which so many of us women have like zero and like the you know, pretty much zero when they they do a blood test, then often at least an integrative or a functional medicine doctor will prescribe testosterone cream or for some women testosterone pellets. And so, and and anyway, my my point is going on this for the limited time that I did it a few years ago already, it was a big eye opener because the thing is, is if you have a lot of testosterone, you don't feel fear the same way. Things are not very anxiety producing, you know, like, like if you're a woman, you get home from a long day, you're like, oh my God, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. All those things take like five, 10 minutes, but there's like a whole bunch of them. And like, it feels overwhelming. It feels stressful, you know, like it, it just, it feels like so much stuff, very burdensome. And, you know, this is why women want guys to like split the emotional load or whatever. Like I talk about this. Um, in terms of this is particularly hard for depressed women, and women have higher rates of depression, um, who have decision fatigue, you know, because uh, that's part of depression. You can't make any decisions. Making a decision on what to eat for dinner feels overwhelming. Well, not so if you have testosterone, you know. I mean, it really doesn't. So um, if you're a guy, and of course, uh, you know, um, yeah, plenty of guys get into these ridiculous discussions with their wives that I've talked about on podcasts about uh, what should we have for dinner. 
But that's not because they can't choose usually. It's because a woman shoots down all the ideas. In fact, the podcast is called When Your Wife Starts Shooting Down Your, you shoots down all your dinner ideas. Men don't usually have this the same way. They make decisions. Oh, well, you know, like I'll eat this or I'll eat this. It isn't fraught. It doesn't feel like a source of anxiety. It doesn't feel burdensome. When you're a man, you come home, you got a lot of things to do, like five, 10 minute chores each. You just do them. You know, you don't feel that level of kind of like fear and overwhelm. Some men do. And ironically, sometimes when they do, they end up having low T. Depressed men often have low T when they get it tested, low testosterone. So, because testosterone makes you feel no fear. That's why young boys who have like a fuckload of testosterone do stupid shit and like race their cars on the highway because they don't have the appropriate amount of fear. So what you have to understand about your husband is he doesn't really have this uh, fear about little things being overwhelming and burdensome and he doesn't get stressed out by a whole bunch of little things. So that's why when you come home from a long day, the last thing that you do is want to have sex because you're thinking about all these different little things that you have to do and you have to do this and you have to do this and you have to do this. He doesn't think like that. He, that does not stress him out at all. You know, all of these various things that you have to do around the house. Now, if your husband is smart and you have a good marriage and he feels loved by you, you could just tell him to do all those little things and he'll probably do them, you know, and then you'll feel a lot better. But what a lot of women don't understand is he does not, nor should he feel that those things are important. So like that's where this emotional labor rhetoric gets kind of stupid because he doesn't feel that those things are important. He doesn't, you know, it would be like your child saying that you're not splitting the emotional labor of a game of pretend play because you're not as invested in the characters. You don't think about them when you're going to sleep about how you're going to play princess better tomorrow, you know, because you don't think like that because you're a grown up. So he's a man, not a woman. He doesn't think about the various little things that go into the home, nor nor should he because he wouldn't do them if he were alone in the home. Now, this doesn't count like guys who have ADHD or, or like um, are just kind of assholes and are like, yeah, no, we could live in complete filth. There's like big hairballs on the floor near where the baby's, you know, crawling and our counters literally have bugs on them and like there's no food, but fuck it. No, we're not talking about like a lunatic, right? We're talking about a guy who's like, no, we do not need three different brands of crackers you know, to serve our friends when they come over. We don't need that. I wouldn't have that. You know, now he's he's a dick if he says, no, we don't need that. Fuck you. You know, sure, sure. Then he's an asshole. But if you expect, if you're saying I'm doing the emotional labor of saying that we need three brands of crackers, then you're crackers. <laughs> you know, because that's just crazy because he doesn't think you need it. Why should he be thinking about it? Because it doesn't matter. You know, to him, it doesn't matter. To you, it matters. To you, it makes you anxious to think about putting out a sleeve of Ritz crackers and cheese. To him, it doesn't. So how the hell should he, like, it doesn't make any sense. It's as stupid as your daughter coming in and saying, did you dream about playing Elsa and Anna today? No? Well, then you're not as committed to this mother-daughter relationship as I am. No, it's just, like, not real. So the, the basically all this is to say, understand the role that testosterone has to play, a very basic hormone, the one that makes your husband a man, you know, pretty much in large part, 
this means that, thank God, he doesn't care about certain things. Because if there's a home intruder, he that, that stuff mobilizes and he's supposed to go downstairs and try to beat them with like, you know, a baseball bat while you're scared. Yes, of course, if he was on work travel, then you would have mama bear energy and would defend your children. I understand that. But, you know, if he's around, it would be better for him to go down with less fear than you, right? I mean, nobody's really running in that situation to go do that. Hopefully, he's running quicker than you are. It's like my burning building analogy. Men go back into a burning building to save their wives, but women don't go back into a burning building to save their husbands. Women have more risk aversion because they're supposed to keep very small children safe. They're supposed to worry about shit. They're supposed to be looking and seeing, is the baby going to put that in his mouth? You know? So with, that's why postpartum anxiety, it's like um, an extreme version of something that's very adaptive. It's adaptive to worry about if your baby is safe. It's not adaptive to worry about that to the point that you won't take your baby outside, right? But, you know, I write a lot about anxiety, etc. But generally, it's evolutionarily normal for a woman to have more anxiety because she has to be caring about the well-being of the baby in a very different way. And also her own well-being when pregnant. So my point is this. If you want to understand your husband, understand the role of testosterone. He has less fear and he has a higher sex drive. Small shit doesn't matter to him. Sex matters to him a lot. Touch matters to him a lot. He doesn't get overwhelmed to the point that he doesn't want sex like you do. Some women actually think that this is like a moral referendum on their husband. They're like, how could he still want sex when our, our, our daughter just had a very bad day at camp? And I'm trying to think about whether she should stay at this camp or not. Because, like, literally, would you want to marry that guy? Like, I wouldn't. You know what I mean? Like, for real. Like, because, I mean, you think you would until, think about the other shit that goes along with that, right? If that floors him, right? Like, if your daughter having a bad day at camp floors him so utterly, is this somebody who's, like, can it be a strong, you know, comforting presence? Is this, like, an adult who can act as a container for a child's emotion? Like, you may get sucked into it. Women get sucked into the child's drama. I deal with this all the time. I have so many sessions with women about their daughter's friend group. You know what are some words that a man has never yet mentioned to me in session? Maybe somebody will do it to troll me now, one of my clients that's listening. I've never heard a man say friend group. (laughs) Never in session. I do not have and sometimes I say it, like if somebody's talking about like some really whack shit that happened with their kid, because men will do that if some real bad shit went down, then they will talk about their kid. And I'll say something like, oh, well, how's his friend group? And then they know what I'm talking about. They're on earth, you know, but I've never had a man come in because he's just really upset about his, his kid not fitting into a friend group. Yet women come in like this. But do we need two parents like this? I mean, then it's too much. You know, then the child has really become kind of the center of the universe in a way that I discuss constantly is not good for the child. So generally, especially when women are younger and they like their husbands more, they have not yet hit perimenopause or anything, they tend to like the fact that he has some sort of uh, strength of character and that he can like not get, you know, like his mood doesn't move back and forth with the wind. Women's mood moves constantly with the menstrual cycle, as I've talked about. Men's doesn't. They don't menstruate. Like I did this uh, Facebook, um, whatever, real or video or something. Somebody asked in my Facebook group, which you should all join. It's only four ninety nine um, a month, and people say it's the best money they ever spent. But some woman said, "How do you get a man really besotted with you?" So I made a video and I said, 
you can find a man who's really besotted with you easily because men's hormones don't change. They stay the same. They, yeah, of course, like if you don't have the same level of testosterone when you're, you know, 80, you know, unless you're like Logan Roy on succession, right? <laughs> but, um, you know, you don't have that, like it, when you're 40 or 20, whatever. But men tend to have the same levels of hormones throughout the month and over the years. So if they're in love with you and super attracted to you at the beginning, it's kind of going to stay like that over time. Sure, there's novelty response and everything that goes away. But, you know, you should be able to do that. Whereas uh, you cannot get a woman who's besotted with you the same as when she's ovulating as when she's menstruating. That's just like not real. That doesn't happen. So um, that's that's how people are. But anyway, so the point is to understand your husband, you got to understand the role of testosterone. You got to understand that for better or for worse, he's going to be less anxious. He's going to be less um, overwhelmed by small things. He's going to care less about certain decisions, although he should certainly be nice. If you want three kind of crackers, he should run out and get three kind of crackers because you are anxious about it. But if you're expecting then um, him, you, if you're expecting him then to listen to you kind of um, get upset constantly about why he didn't himself think about three types of crackers and that this means that he's not as committed to this uh, relationship as you are because you're doing all the emotional labor, then you obviously have not understood kind of gender differences and what is normative and you're setting him up to fail and you're setting yourself up to fail because you're setting yourself up for a very unhappy marriage. And sex drive is a huge driver. So if you if you have a high level of testosterone and you're not having sex, you feel like hungry all the time. So you know most women get very upset when they're hungry or are very easily, you know, made your 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 mood is all fucked when you're hungry. So that's what guys feel. You know, if you have a high sex drive all the time and you're not having sex, then you feel like hungry all the time. Just because you're hungry all the time, do you have to eat all the time? No. If it's your kid's parent-teacher conference and you're hungry, are you going to take out a hamburger, start eating in the middle of it? No, you're certainly not. So there's a time and a place for everything. I'm certainly not saying that men are so ruled by their testosterone that you must appease that beast, you know, multiple times a day. No, certainly not. But what I'm saying is you're trying to understand your husband better. So if you understand him better, then that leads to a better relationship. That's perspective taking, that's empathy. So if you are a man, a normal uh, levels of testosterone man, you're going to have a high sex drive. And the more sex you have, the happier you're going to be. Just like if you have a high appetite for food, the more you eat, the happier you're going to be. That's just how it is. If you always eat a little too little, you're always going to be kind of in a shitty mood. You know, that's the, the people know this for their kids. They know it for themselves. And then they don't make the analogy over to what this other physical need is for the husband because certainly certainly you could eat less or you could only eat crackers you know you would live if you only ate your three types of crackers from the previous hypothetical but you wouldn't be happy right you wouldn't actually be happy with your life so because people say well you need food to live so it's not like a good analogy you know I have this in the podcast is sex a need or a want and I talk about this a lot. Like, listen, going to the gym or going to, you know, fucking read a book is not a need either, but people act like it is. Whatever. Point, point is, though, you should make this analogy. It's like if, if you are in a sexless marriage, it's like living on bread and water. Can you do it? Yes. Are you healthy and happy? No. 
So it's like living on the crackers, but only one type of cracker. And uh, so, so that's what it would be, and particularly for a high sex drive person, which is, you know, any sort of male with a, with a normal level libido. Uh, then, then it's like living on bread and water. And so then he's going to be a dick, you know, if he's not in a, in a happy place sexually or physically in the marriage. And as he gets older, he doesn't need to have sex as much, but touch is still a big deal. Cause remember, he's never too stressed out to be touched. If he is, then there are massive issues with depression, anxiety, sexual repression, low T or what, what, whatever else. Well, anyway, I hope that this was an interesting thought experiment for you is to think about just hormonally how different your husband is in these two major ways, both mediated by testosterone, not sweating the small stuff usually, and that's not a, meant to fuck with you. That's just literally not caring the way you don't care if you're Anna or Elsa in the pretend play. And also the, the sex drive as analogous to hunger. And that is what it feels like, you know? And, and that's what it feels like, by the way, when women are ovulating too. Like if, if a woman, a younger woman, especially a woman in the honeymoon stage, uh, just any honeymoon stage woman or any ovulating woman or any woman that has a high libido also gets mad, you know, and irritable if they don't have sex when they want to have sex, you know, but that's not that that's thought by most men, honestly, to be kind of exciting. That's cool. Oh man, she wants to have sex with me that much that she would actually care if we don't. Wow. (laughs) You know? But, but, um, but of course, and this is obvious, if a male acts aggressive and angry about not having sex, then that's going to be world's biggest turnoff and also like very danger, um, you know, it's like a danger alarm bell for most women. So yes, a thousand percent, a man should not get angry and aggressive when you're not having sex with him. But is he going to be happy? No, of course, he's not going to be happy to be in a low sex or no sex marriage. Like, well, because he, he's not crazy. So he's, therefore, he's not going to be happy to do that. Okay, I uh, hope this was useful and I'll talk to you all soon. Bye bye.